welcome to this Aberdeen Advisor podcast special on all things consumer duty. At the heart of consumer duty, it's about good customer outcomes and the very heart of what an advice business is about, it is about good customer outcomes. One client did actually ask me if I thought, if we thought that the regulator expected fees to reduce as a consequence of introducing consumer duty. What the FCA have said that they want people to do is not focus on price. So it's not the cost of this that matters, it's the value. If we think much longer term, why has the FCA introduced consumer duty? They've introduced consumer duty because they recognise that customers need help. That's what advisors do. So longer term, wouldn't it be fantastic if the end outcome of consumer duty was that this helped advisors have more efficient businesses so they could see more clients and help more clients? and this could help to fill the advice gap. I'm Russell Bignall, Managing Director of Sales, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Alistair Black, Head of Savings Policy. Hi, Russell. Welcome, Alistair. So, with consumer duty in place at the end of July, we're going to try and give advisors some practical guidance on how they should get ready. We'll also look forward to the landscape ahead after July's deadline. What are the next steps advisor firms should be taking and should we expect more changes from the FCA? Alistair, I know that advisors are telling me they've never been busier. We've got stock markets, interest rate changes, inflation, and we've got consumer duty on the horizon. However, it does feel that the majority of firms are well-placed to meet the rules. What's your view on that? Yes, absolutely. I think there's probably a couple of things there. Um, so the first thing is, at the heart of consumer duty, it's about good customer outcomes. And if we think about the advice process itself, which is about personal recommendations and client suitability, that's all about good about good customer outcomes. So at the very heart of what an advice business is about, it is about good customer outcomes. The other thing that you've just said is, at the spirit of what consumer duty is all about, is firms not just following a process, but but thinking about as things change, how does their proposition need to change to support customers? And what you've just described there is, with all these changing markets, advisors being tied up to try and help their clients get a better outcome or the best outcome they can in these volatile times is, again, absolutely the heart of what consumer duty is about. So what you've just said to me is that advice firms are really focused on consumer duty or the principles of it, which is about delivering for their clients. So what that means is um, advisors, good advisors, continue to do what what they have always done, take care of their clients, but there may be additional work for them in terms of documenting those processes now. Um, Let's just rewind for a moment. Can you set the scene and talk to us about why the FCA is introducing the consumer duty then? What are the drivers for these changes? Yeah, great question. So the first thing to remember is that consumer duty is about every firm that deals with financial services. So that's not just every part of the value chain that advisors deal with in our sector in terms of fund managers, platform providers, advisor firms themselves, et cetera, Um, but also every other financial services firm from general insurers to banks. So it's, it's, it's about everything. And it will have been clear over the previous decades that the FCA is still finding individual problems within each of those sectors. So what they're trying to do is lift it up a level, which is why it's principles-based. So consumer duty is about principles-based, which lifts it up a level and requires every firm to bluntly stop and think 
Now, that's not great because people don't have time to stop and think if they're trying to help their clients, but it's about lifting it up a level and building it into the fundamental culture of the firm. And the way that they're suggesting doing that is is effectively by going through a process, and you talked about documentation, and that's key. It's going through a process and mapping it out. And by mapping it out and documenting it and kicking the tires, um, the idea is that firms will better understand what they're delivering and potentially spot some enhancements they can make. So with these rules that are looming now for advisors and providers, um, if if firms have been busy with clients, what do they need to make sure? What are the one or two things they've got to get done by the end of July then? Yeah, so the most, the most important thing is, as at the end of July, their consumer duty champion, actually, so that's probably the first thing to say, is that under the regulations, firms are supposed to appoint a consumer duty champion. The consumer duty champion for larger firms um, is somebody typically on their board or management committee equivalent who will keep an eye on it and make sure the firm is abiding by consumer duty, which is making sure they're thinking about good customer outcomes. It's fundamentally embedded in all parts of the business. And as at the end of July, the board slash management committee consumer duty champion have to sign off that the firm are compliant. Now, really importantly, um, the SCA throughout their policy has recognized that this is not a one and done. This is not a piece of legislation which firms will do and complete up to the end of 31st July. Um, now, that's really beneficial for firms because the SCA recognizes that principles based is hard to do. Um, and every firm is going to be finding their own way of dealing with it. And the SCA repeatedly talk about proportionality and prioritization which means particularly for smaller firms that don't have the resources of larger firms, they don't expect you to do everything. What they want you to do is have got started. So the key things, the absolute must-haves really for the end of July are have appointed a consumer duty champion. Now, for a really small firm where there's one individual, that's pretty obvious it's, it, it's that individual. But for a medium or larger sized firm, appoint somebody as being the consumer duty champion because they're going to have to sign off that you are compliant the second thing is, make sure you've got a plan. You don't have to have done it all, but have a plan. Demonstrate you've thought about it and have that plan in place and you've worked out what your highest priority two or three things. It doesn't need to be a massive plan. Just identify the few things that you need to do and demonstrate you've started some of them, ideally done a couple of key ones. Um, and probably the two I would encourage people to really think about are the FCA in the guidance that has come out and in various speeches over the last six months has talked a lot about the assessment of price and value within the financial advice industry. So get something started. If you haven't already, get something started to document what your proposition is and the value in that proposition and why it provides value to your to your end client. That's that's interesting. So I actually want to just play that back then. So by the end of July, appoint a consumer duty champion and get a plan in place and document that plan. Um, what about after July then? How do firms continue this process? What do they do next? Yeah, that's really important. Uh, and actually, in the previous question, I talked about proportionality and they need to have a plan, but they don't have to complete it all of it. So there's two key things. If there's additional actions in that plan that need to be dealt with, they don't need to rush at them. They don't need to get them done quickly, but they need to make sure they follow through in it. So if you've got items, make sure you're happy that those are the right things to do and get them embedded in. But also, I think a really practical thing they should do is ensure that they've got some kind of regular meetings in the diary to keep kicking the tires on their proposition. Because 
if we go right back to the beginning of this, you talked about we're in a really challenging environment for advisors. Well, things change around us. So get some kind of regular governance meeting in the diary, scheduled in to go and kick the tires and see, is there something else we need to do? Have things changed? Do I need to do something else? And if firms are really getting consumer duty and, and this is a cultural shift in the organization, then they'll get that this is this is not a one and done. If it's a cultural shift, this should be about on a continuous basis, how do we ensure our proposition provides provides value to the client? But in that rigorous documented process of recognizing all the different parts of the proposition, which is what are my target market? What is the service I'm offering? Does it provide good value? Am I communicating it effectively? And am I supporting my clients? So those are the four, if you like, outcomes or four pillars, which the SC have repeatedly talked about. So, And, and that framework's useful. Okay, I'd, I'd like to pick up on that because um, of those four consumer duty outcomes, the one I hear most about out in the marketplace is price and value. There's an awful lot of debate um, for our clients around what that what that means, how it could impact fees. Um, what's your view? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, it's been a real focus of the regulator. They're really encouraging. Um, advisor firms to go through that process of documenting their value proposition and, and demonstrating price and value. Um, will it change? I, really hard to say at this stage. I think the important thing is the SEAs wants the firms to go through that documentation process, kick the tires, think about the services they're offering, and check that check that they can demonstrate through through that documentation check that they can demonstrate that the value of their proposition. I think this this will be emerging. This will change over time and we can expect, I think we can expect more guidance from the FCA in the future. But again, get something started. One client did actually ask me um, if, if I thought, if we thought that the regulator expected fees to reduce as a consequence of introducing consumer duty. Um, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, long, so longer term, I'm sure they want them to reduce because actually uh, the SCA the SCA recognise that more people more people need advice and uh, and I'm, my guess is that the SCA might think well if the cost of advice comes down then more people will get advice and that would be a good outcome for everyone. Um, realistically, I, that's not the approach the SCA have taken. What the SCA want what the SCA have said that they want people to do is not focus on price. So it's not the cost of this that matters, it's the value. You need to think about price in the round, but the really important thing is to think, what is the service that I'm offering? Is everyone getting the same service? There's a little bit of there's a little bit of work to do on thinking, are all my clients getting the same service? Should they all be should they all be charged the same fee? Which is probably more where the FCA is focused is should everybody be charged the same as opposed to should the general level come down? Because if the service that they get is good and valuable, I don't think the FCA would have a problem with it. I think it's just, is everybody getting the same service and should, should they all be charged the same? Let's change tack. Um, and another question I've had from clients has been from firms who run their own advisory model portfolios, you know, where they, they select to monitor and, and manage funds for their for their customers. Um, will there be any extra work uh, for those under consumer duty? That's, that's another good question. Um, so... At the core, I think, of the initial challenge that that most firms in the financial services sector had when consumer duty came in was recognizing the difference between a distributor and a manufacturer. And actually, under 
under prod rules as a platform provider, we were actually a distributor of funds, not a manufacturer. Uh, when Consumer Duty came in, we became a manufacturer of platform services, which we provided to advisors to help support their end, their end clients. Exactly the same with advisors. Advisors have absolutely, I think that advisors have got their heads round that their advice services is manufactured. I think where it gets more complex is if a firm is running model portfolios, effectively what they've got is they can say that they've got one thing that they're manufacturing, but actually it's probably easier from that documentation and kicking the tires perspective if they were to split it into two and think, I've got a financial planning service and I've got an investment advice service. So it's definitely increasing the work that they have to do. Okay, so just just help me then. So does that mean that if I'm running an advisory portfolio of funds as a as an advisor, that I've got more documentation, more work to do under consumer duty? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Because because the services that you're providing to your client are more, and you need to demonstrate that each part of that service is being appropriately managed. So it's not just the financial planning advice bit, but you need to also carry that out for all of the processes, all of the processes that are being run around the investment management. What do you think that will mean for outsourcing to discretionary managers going forward then? Oh, um, it'll probably mean a continuation of the trend we've seen over the last 10 years. There's been a general increase of firms that have decided that they don't want to run model portfolios and and, and um, outsourcing to discretionary fund managers. So I would suspect that that will continue to increase. But it's really important to recognise, I certainly recognise that that will absolutely depend on the firm. There are firms who will make an active decision that the investment management is a core part of their business and they want to and are willing to invest in that. And there will be others that decide actually, this is not a core part of our business. And I think the additional work that's needed around the documentation, governance and controls around that is likely to increase what they probably have done already. Thanks, Alice. I think that's that's really useful insight for, for Mazar client firms to think about. Um, going forward then, so just on the regulator, do you expect the FCA to, to come out with further guidance um, on consumer duty? Absolutely. Um, in fact, if we look at the if we look at the last six months, we have had regular regular updates from the FCA and speeches, which are absolutely there to help give clear indication to firms on what the expectations are. So I think a lot of firms across all sectors of financial services, absolutely not just the advice sector, this applies to fund management, platform providers, banks, general insurers, all different sectors have got their own uh, have got their own areas of focus. Um, the SCA has come out with guidance on this is what you should think about. We should absolutely think about that going forward. The other thing is I, we should absolutely expect the SCA will carry out more reviews. So back in uh, back at the beginning of the year, they did a review of some large firm implementation plans. And off the back of that, they came out saying, this is what they found was good practice and everybody should be doing it. We found this was poor practice and people shouldn't. I think we should expect more of the same, which is post-implementation. I think they'll review a bunch of firms, find good and poor practice, and then come out and help embed that in the industry by, without naming firms, saying, here's some examples of some good things you should do, and here's some examples of some poor things don't do. And I'm just thinking then, you, you, you mentioned, um, you know, we're very lucky here at Aberdeen. We've, we've been supported by um, all types of advice firms across the UK, from sole traders into large multi-advisor, multi-office firms. Um, just 
consumer duty apply in the same way to every firm? You know, what's your view on that? Uh, so, so yes and no. <laughs> uh, at its core, yes, because every firm, every firm has to demonstrate that it's carrying out the right actions to deliver good customer outcomes. Um, the really important point to remember is, particularly for the for the smaller firms, if you like a sole trader. Um, the SEA recognizes that they do not have the same resources as a large firm. And 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 actually, for an advice firm, you know, 99% of what they do is actually trying to deliver good customer outcomes for their for their clients. So they talk a lot in the policy about proportionality and prioritization, which I mentioned earlier. So they do not expect a sole trader to carry out the same amount of work. But they do expect them to embed it in their culture. So there's some basic things that they should do. Really importantly, we've got uh, we have got a lot of information on our on our consumer duty and uh, support hub, which is there to help all sizes of firms. And we've had pretty good feedback from both sole traders and large uh, large firms. So there's been there's been things in there which have been genuinely helpful. So I really encourage everyone to go and have a look at it. One of the things you've you've said there does resonate with me. I see good practice every day with the clients that we. A privilege to work with. Um, and I think I've also summarised what you've said is the consumer duty is just the start for the regulator around ensuring that all of that value is documented and, and shared going forward. Um, have you got any closing comments for our podcast today? Um, yeah, I guess the one thing is, uh, there's, there's probably a couple of things. Looking looking longer term, and you touched on it earlier, which is, which is what happens after the end of July. And as firms put in place governance to kick the tires on a continuous basis, I think we'll see, I hope we see a significant increase in standards across all parts of the industry. Um, and I've talked before actually publicly around advisor firms should see that as a good thing because they're so dependent on other financial services firms further up the value chain. So if those firms are delivering better outcomes for their clients, that's got to, got to help advisors. But if we think much longer term, um, actually, why has the FCA introduced consumer duty? They've introduced consumer duty because they recognize that customers need help. That's what advisors do. So longer term, wouldn't it be fantastic if the end outcome of consumer duty was that this helped advisors have more efficient businesses so they could see more clients and help more clients? And this could help to fill the advice gap. Oh, here, here. Thank you, Alistair. I've really enjoyed it. And what I'm taking from it is um, good advisors have nothing to fear from consumer duty. Um, it's more a question of helping them to articulate those customer promises that they make and keep day in, day out. Thank you, Alistair. Thank you, Russell. Thank you to our audience for tuning in to our podcast. If you do want more information, guidance or further insight on consumer duty, please head across to our website at aberdeen.com forward slash advisor. You can find our consumer duty support hub and all of Alistair's blogs on this and many other topics. And as the FCA develop their guidance, we'll continue to update and provide more insight to help you take care of your customers. Until next time, thank you for listening. is issued by a member of Aberdeen Group, which comprises Aberdeen PLC and its subsidiaries. Standard Life Savings Limited is registered in Scotland under SC 180203 at 1 George Street, Edinburgh, 
United Kingdom, EH2-2LL. Standard Life Savings Limited is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.